0: This is Joey Gallo with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast.
1: Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now here's your host, Texas Rangers
2: blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, The Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is Quality Starters. We're going to go over the quality starters, and actually over this last winning streak, it's not that bad. The quality starts, the numbers, let's look at what the starting pitching from the Rangers has done, and we'll break down why there's still only a 500 team after today. Also, we'll go down into the bus leagues. Today, we went and interviewed Ryan Doro. I'm going to tell you about Ryan Doro, but you're going to hear about Ryan Doro, and we'll get to all of that right after this. Okay, everybody, and welcome to Quality Starters and Quality Starting. And that's that's what this episode's about. And let me go into it real quick, and let's talk about why I'm even going to bring this up. We have some tape and stuff that we'll go to from when I was at the Ranger game Uh the, the last one I was at, but, uh, a couple things I had, one of them is uh, Isaiah kind of falafel when he was, when he caught Mike minor for the first time, I've got that interview. You can listen to, but I wanted to go into the quality start and look at some numbers here. So the, the, the team bad loss today, Kyle Dowdy, I'm done. I'm done with the Kyle Dowdy experiment. Yes. It was a bad move to take Kyle D- Dowdy, um, now, I'm, I'm not necessarily – I understand why they did it. Connor Sajic did not do anything in spring training. He had no options. We lost him in the uh – In the uh, rule, you know, we lost him by exposing him to waivers. He was picked up by Seattle. He's doing okay with Seattle right now. He may end up there all year, and they end up with Connor Sajic, and great for him. He wasn't doing it here. Sometimes that happens. I know everyone likes to immediately blame J.D. and blame everybody in the organization or whatever. It's always our fault. You know, it's their fault, his fault, for any. For any reason whatsoever, if a pitcher goes somewhere else, it, look. Sometimes it takes a totally different voice to come in and find something. We've done the same thing. Mike Miner, Mike Miner was a starting pitcher for Kansas City. He was a okay starting pitcher for Kansas City. Got hurt when he came back. He went into the bullpen at Atlanta and did okay in the bullpen in Atlanta. We signed him to a three year deal because JD said this guy's a starting pitcher, and he put him with our people, uh, with the people in the Ranger organization. And look what Mike Miner has turned into. He's turned into not only the ace of the staff, but might be considered an ace on any staff right now with the numbers he's putting up. But I wanted to go uh, in and look at the numbers. Um, And and I'm telling you right now, when we came into the season, you had Mike Miner, who everyone I think felt was going to be good, Lance Lynn, who everyone felt – Uh, pretty much thought that Lance Lynn had a good shot you know it was a good rotation piece we signed him for a couple years we thought uh, Lynn would be fine and then we had these three Tommy John surgery pitchers um, that we didn't know what what they were going to be like they were good before they got hurt now they're back and we're going to find out exactly what we've got with these guys well when you go into it one of them was Drew Smiley who I was always the highest on and Drew Smiley's. Maybe he's starting to figure something out. He had a quality start, and he actually hasn't pitched horrible. He always has one inning that seems to get away from him. The other was Edison Volquez. Um, I think we we kind of all thought with, with three pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery, there's always the chance that there could be a setback or something was going to happen. Well, it did. It did happen, and that that happened with uh, Volkaz. It looks like he re-injured the 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 elbow. He's resting it now. They're not even going to do an MRI till he rests it for so long. He's loved being around the team, so he's not going to do it. And then the third one was Shelby Miller. Shelby Miller did not have a great spring uh, coming into the season. I was he was the one I predicted would be the biggest disappointment with Shelby Miller, and. You know, sometimes even this old nerd here gets things right because he—he he, right now he probably is the biggest as far as those three. But we're finding some other stuff. Somebody that stepped up in a huge way that has stepped up is uh, Ariel Hurado. I mean, that guy, I mean, there's some numbers here. Have you looked at He's had two starts since he, been, he was named a starter. His first one, he was on a pitch count. He went four and a, he went four and one third innings and gave up two earned runs. And then today he went six and a third and gave up two runs. He had ninety five pitches that he was on another pitch count. They pulled him out. That's a quality start right there. And you ought to see what these starting so so starting at that second game in Kansas City. They were on the road. That's when Willie Calhoun came up his first game back. They're eight and three since Willie Calhoun was called. Now he's injured. He's been on the the injured list for a few days now, but. Starting there has kind of been this run that the Rangers have come on. They were they were below 500. They made it all the way up to they caught back up to 500, went over 500. Now they sit at 500. But it was an eight and three run that got them to where it was. So it was a five game. We were five. They were five games under 500, and now they're sitting at 500 after a bad loss today because of once again the one thing. Let me tell you what. The right now things are. This is what JD was trying to. He's starting to try to figure out what we have here. It looks like we have. Two solid starting pitchers right now in Lynn and Miner, and you've got Ariel Hurado who looking to be, if nothing else, if worst case scenario, he's going to be a four or five starter. It looks like, or a part of this bullpen. He is. He's not a strikeout guy, but my gosh, he is pitching wonderful. So you've had him. Then you've had this opener, uh, you know the opener they're doing, and and Adrian Sampson's been amazing. He's had in in this stretch. Let me let's just go over the stretch. So. There's eleven games. They're eight and three. Let's let's see what starting pitchers done starting pitchers have done. Now, when I say what starting pitchers have done, let me make sure you understand. I'm also throwing in there's two games in there where there was an opener. So I'm taking the combined stats of the opener plus the guy who came in second. In both cases, it was Adrian Sampson who came in afterwards after the opener came out and did an inning. Okay. And so on the openers, the, you got a total of the first opener. You got six and a third with one earned run. And second opener was the one with, uh, I believe that was the one that, uh, I think LeClerc did one, and then uh, Jesse Chavez did one. And, the, and Sampson came in after the first inning and went six innings and gave up one run. So it was a total of, so the, the, op- the first time it was, uh, the, the total combined for the opener was six, uh, six and a third, Innings with one earned run. The second time it was seven innings with one earned run. That's a quality start right there if you want to look at it. In fact, he did it, Samson did it on his own. The second time he went six innings and one earned run. So, but that, but so with those two openers doing that, you go over and you look at the numbers all the way around. And here's what we got. So you've got Mike Miner, who made two, uh, who made uh, three starts. Who's, let's see, Mike Minor uh, has had, Five innings pitched, one earned run. Then he went six innings, two, uh, two earned runs. Today he went uh, – today uh, – he wasn't today, was he? So he went six and third. So you, you added up uh, – Lin's had two starts since then. Lynn went seven innings, gave up one run. He gave went another seven innings at a second start and gave up two earned runs. Then you got Smiley. Smiley went four innings his first time out in that 11 days, gave up two earned runs. And then he had his first quality start. First quality start by pitcher – was yesterday with Smiley, who went six innings, gave up three earned runs. We got the loss in that one, but he, he pitched a hell of a game. No, I'm sorry, day before. Yesterday. No, it was yesterday. That's right. And then, my, and then you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, Jurado, who went six and one-third today with two earned runs. So that's two quality starts right there. But let's combine all of that with the openers over that stretch. The starting pitchers pitched 61 innings. In that 11 games, so you take 11 games, 61 innings. That's that's averaging right at close to, uh, you know, a little over six innings a game. And then they gave up 17 earned runs. So you take that. What did the starters, including the openers, do in that 11 game run? They had a 2.5 ERA. 2.5 ERA. You're if you've got a starting pitching staff with a 2.5 ERA. You're competing, and that's why the Rangers are competing. Now, the bullpen is a mess, and that's what they're trying to figure out here. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the bullpen. To, to You know, LeClerc has looked good again. Jesse Chavez has looked really good in the month of May. He's been amazing during the month of May. Uh, Kelly's looked good. He came back. He had that scare. I don't know if y'all heard about that. He had the scare with the neck. Um, where he had uh, a, a thing with his neck come in, um, and they thought it might be something. I mean, he had some lumps removed from his neck, turned out to be benign. That was scarier than anything, but he's, he's back, he's pitching. He looked good. He, he blew a save the other night. That's going to happen on any of them. Um, so you got Jesse Chavez, Leclerc, Kelly looking good. I'm Let me tell you, I'm done with. I'm done with two people on this staff, and, and I'm flat out done with them. Is Dowdy. Dowdy can't pitch. I'm sorry, the guy can throw 95 miles an hour, and that, that that's pretty nice to throw 95 miles an hour. But if you're not throwing it right down the middle, you can't paint a corner. You can't throw strikes. You're walking people, or you're giving up. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm I'm done with the Kyle Dowdy experiment. All you got to do is DFA him. He doesn't have any options. He'll be offered back uh, to where we picked him up from, and let him go back. Pay the money, or let you know, take the money to get him back. We already got Reed Garrett back. Reed Garrett was claimed by the Tigers. The Tigers decided they're they're going to rebuild or whatever they're going to do there. They're going to rebuild and they're going to take Reed Garrett off the table, and uh, and so they d- DFA'd him and offered him back d- d- uh, designated for assignment is what DFA means. And the Rangers gave him 40 grand, I believe, is what you give him 40 grand, and you get the player back. He went to the. Uh, he's not on the 40 man roster anymore, or he wasn't before, and that's why he got left to ex- he got exposed to the Rule Five draft. So he went um to triple a so that's another arm in triple a i'm but i'm done with dowdy i think dowdy ought to, you know john moore uh, gene Moore, however you say his name gomez um he's close to being done for me he, he's he's been okay lately but um he's still someone that's expendable to me with the young arms that we've got that we could we could look at and give a shot and i'm i'm sorry shelby miller done shelby miller Shouldn't come into a game unless we're down by 15 runs, uh, because I, I don't trust guy. He went an inning today, and that's fine. But but two of the three outs were long fly balls. I'm I'm done with Shelby Miller. I'll, he's a very nice guy. I Met him in the locker room. He seems to be a great guy. But the guy throws straight. That's all he does. He doesn't. He was good at one time. He's not there now. And, that, and that's an issue. Um, so, but, you know, the one of the quality starts, one of the big things that happened with the quality start that was kind of eye opening now I know that J.D. has said that he is not, he is trying not to, uh, uh, well, not J.D., I'm sorry, what he uh, um, Woody said. What Woody he said, he, he was going to try to stay away from having one catcher catch a, a certain pitcher. He he, he didn't want to do that, but when you – but all baseball players are the same and anybody in baseball, when things are going on a streak, you kind of hate to mess with it. So for the first time, um, with, with all of this happening for the first time, uh, IKF, uh, Isaiah Connor caught minor. He's been caught by Mathis all year, and he's been amazing. But he went out, and he had that one game where he went five innings, and uh, he, he went up he went five innings, gave up one earned run, and he wasn't as, as spectacular, wasn't that great. And so, Woody, we went into the office and talked to Woody before the game the other night. It was the night that Connor caught minor. And uh, he said, look, uh, he said, it's, you know, I, I didn't. I needed for him to be average so that I could do it because I didn't want if there was some kind of hot streak. And he said, so it was the right time to do it. Then he went out with Connor Falafa and pitched, you know, six innings um, and only gave up two earned runs, got the win Uh, that night too. uh, That's when they almost came back and ended up winning the game uh, 10 to 9. But, uh, you know, he only gave up two runs in six innings. And so I talked to Connor Falafa afterward. He had never caught minor before, and I talked to him. And this is what he had to say. Hey, so it's the first time you got to catch a minor tonight. Is it pretty easy when you got someone like that on the mound? Yeah, I mean when he's throwing the ball, the way he's
0: capable of throwing the ball, I mean it's easy for anyone. Um puts it puts you in a good position to succeed. Um just attacks his zone the right way. It gives you know, we give a target, he hits the glove, and makes our job easy.
2: Now in a situation like that are you calling the game and he's just he didn't look like he shook you off at hardly at all. Is that no, you calling?
0: Yeah, we, uh, we have a game plan, we we talk about it before the game, we go over it and um you know that's what we do when we get in there and we, we execute it today.
2: Does a pitcher like that, going like that, translate over to the offense? Because you look good at the plate, too. Obviously, you're always looking decent at the plate, but you look comfortable, and you, you were cruising all night.
0: Yeah, um, you know, that's more of a team, you know, from the offensive side when everybody's swinging the bat well. Um, you kind of just ride it out, and, uh, you know, hitting's contagious. Uh, and one guy, one guy hits, and he passes the baton, and next guy up, and, you know, they just try to keep it rolling, get some momentum. But, you know, it also helps when you have your, you know, your ace out there giving you, you know, a quality start every time gives you a really good chance to win. Has Woody
2: said anything about whether now you're going to start catching him a few more times, or you're going to kind of split it up now?
0: No, we're just going to we're just going to go under schedule um, wherever they whoever's catching that day is catching that day, and um, you know just that's how it's been all year, and we keep going that way.
2: Okay, thanks. Yeah. So basically, what he was saying there is that, and now Woody has basically confirmed it. But apparently, uh, so basically, what they're going to do now is is uh, depending on where it falls, they're trying to split this catching up fifty fifty. Mathis is older; it's hard to keep Mathis. To catch 81 games. But that's kind of the plan they're on. He, he's caught more than he's caught in a long time. But, uh So, when it comes up again, if it falls on a night that that IKF is is supposed to catch, he'll be catching Miner. And he did a good job that night, and I know they do a game plan like that, but I know in some instances catchers kind of take the lead in calling or whatever. But, you know, that night it didn't look like Miner was shaking him off at all. But, you know, someone like Mike Miner, if he's he's not happy with what he's seeing behind the plate, he's going to shake off and go to the pitch he wants to go to, and he didn't. He basically all night just was going with the game plan. So, that's – that's good news for Kiner, um, for, for IKF, I mean, that 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 he had some trust with Miner back there. He's still, you know, he's learning the position. He didn't catch before he got into pro ball. He's, he's getting a lot better at it. He made a few blunders today on Dowdy's pass balls, that second one. He probably should have had that. Um, but you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't catch it. And that second run, the, 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 the run came in Calhoun came in to make it seven to five today, but you know, that's, it's baseball. It's going to be that way. They're going to Seattle tomorrow to start that series. Um, Hey, you know, right now, while I, while I'm talking about it for those that, that, that didn't know or didn't see it, um, you know, I I wanted to give a big shout out to, uh, the Dallas Morning News and the family at Dallas Morning News, especially Evan Grant, as they go through uh, most of those guys in that in, in the press box. I've had the privilege of being up there with the loss of Jerry Fraley. Jerry Fraley was a great uh, was a great writer. I read Jerry for years. He was a beat he stayed a beat. He did some columns, I think, but he he was a beat writer for the Texas Rangers. Um, you know, it's really strange. I've got to do these games. Jerry was there uh, early in May. I I had no idea he was sick. Um, I didn't know that. I, I'm not comfortable enough to just walk up to these guys all the time and start, you know, gabbing with them. Uh, Jerry kind of surprised me that. Uh, but, uh, um, that that uh, you know, I I feel really bad for Dallas Morning News. That's a tough one. It it seems that Jerry had cancer. Um, there's you know there was a lot of great stuff written about it. T. R. Sullivan wrote an excellent piece. About Jerry, uh, uh, Evan Grant wrote a pretty pretty touching piece too about how Jerry's the one that got him here. Michael Young tweeted out something about Jerry. It was really funny. It was about he. It was kind of a he. He laid out a conversation Jerry had with him one time after Michael had a bad at bat and something to the effect that that you know Jerry Fraley goes, um, you let a fastball go right down the middle at that last at bat and. Uh, young returned and said yeah I was sitting slider he said yeah but you struck out on a changeup and he goes yep and he goes so was that a batted bat and Michael Young goes yep and he goes thanks you should have swung at the fastball and that's what uh, Mike said he said Jerry was to the point uh always liked everyone but man he was to the point he wasn't afraid to ask the questions uh, Evan Grant who I've seen Evan work and I've seen him in those locker rooms and what he does and how he works with the players, and he's got relationships and all of that. Even Evan said that, uh, you know, Jerry helped him learn to be able to ask a little bit tougher questions. And, and you know, Jerry was a big, big, big uh, mentor to him, especially both of them being for the Dallas Morning News. Um, and it was just a fan – and right up to the end, very touching. It, moving, I, I actually got a little teary-eyed reading about it. But apparently on the Pittsburgh – trip when uh, Texas went to Pittsburgh. Jerry was going to work that, and he was going to go on the road. He hadn't gone uh, much, and he was going to go on the road to work that Pittsburgh game because I guess he had gone to college there and wanted to – you know go see some people i mean he he must have known he was getting towards the end he was going to go doctors were weary of him going and evan even stated in his article about how he was uh he was really worried about him going for his health and, and now this stuff i didn't know I, I read it today or yesterday and that's why um i i read about it but it, it was right up to the edge and then uh when jerry called him right the day before and he said hey the doctors are just telling me I can't go, and I don't think I'm going to be able to make this trip. And he was more worried about Evan, that he was putting Evan in a bind because now Evan was going to have to go on the Pittsburgh trip. And Evan was, of course, you know, just uh, – <clears throat> sorry about that. That's a little touching. And Evan seemed to be saying that Jerry was – Right up to the end, was more concerned about inconveniencing someone else. There's stories about Evan having to go to a hospital, and and him going and picking Evan up from the hospital and taking him home. Beat riders coming in from other tr wrote about it. Beat writers would be here from other um, from other teams, and if you, when you're in the, you gotta understand when you get up in that press box, it's a big press box, but down to the when you're facing out on the field in the press box, down to your right-hand side on the front rows where all the beat reporters come for the opposing team. So those guys will come in, and you'll have whatever newspapers are there from St. Louis or from Pittsburgh. or whoever. So you've got your beat reporters. You've got your the people that work for MLB.com, the way TR does. Those guys are all there, and they have kind of take that corner down there. And, um, he, and so apparently Jerry would – Take him to and from the the hotel and get him around and stuff like that when he was doing it. But just a big, big loss for uh for any DFW sports fan. On Jerry Fraley, our our hearts and and our prayers go out to the Fraley family. Apparently, had a twin boys that just super super. Um, proud of and seemed to brag about his twin boys all the time. And uh, I know that there, there were some emotions and, and uh, some sadness uh, for me personally, just as a, as a fan, as a, someone who read Jerry stuff. um, I, I, you know, when he was there at that game early in May, I, you know i i had he, he didn't seem sick to me he just seemed like jerry fraley i i did not know so when i heard the news that he had passed away i thought it might have been a heart attack or something and then i started reading about how he'd been sick and i you would have never known that day that, that jerry was sick um and of course i don't watch him in a press room i am guess the people that knew him might have known he was a little slowed down or he might have been in some pain i didn't notice it um uh, he seemed to be just right there in the middle of it all and uh and and didn't seem he seemed like Jerry Fraley to me, and I didn't know him personally. Um, I wish I had taken the chance to walk up. I've gotten to meet T. R. and Levi Garrett or Levi Weaver, um, T. R. Uh, Jeff Wilson of the Fort Worth Star Telegram, and obviously Evan Grant have all ingratiated me they've they've shook hands and talked to me they're not they they let you know they're very nice when they're they're there so um but i never did that with jerry just because he wasn't there all the time i figured he was probably covering for grant uh for evan that game because evan wasn't there so um sad news sorry for the family of jerry fraley i'm really really sorry to hear that and um uh, much uh, thoughts and prayers go out to them and the Dallas Morning News staff and all those that worked with Jerry and knew him well. Just want you to know the Rangers Nation's podcast and Dallas Sports Nation. It's thinking of you guys, um, and so I wanted to take a moment and just uh, and do that and, and, and just send that out to, to all of them. Okay, so now I think it is time, why don't we take this down in the bus leagues? Let's go down in the bus leagues right now and we'll uh, talk about all things minor league baseball.
1: This is Sam Huff with the Texas Rangers and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. This is Matt Present, voice of the Down East Wooddogs,
2: and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast okay we are down in the bus leagues we're going to go down and i'm going to read out all of where the minor league baseball sits right now anything pertinent going on but first of all before we do that i had a chance to uh talk to a couple of the down east wood ducks Uh, i interviewed both ryan doro and sam huff i'll do sam huff i'll play sam huff's interview next week sam huff is the texas rangers affiliate minor league home run leader um Right there, but Ryan Doro is a guy, and that's a name that you people need to know. You need to pay attention to this name when I say this to you, Ryan Doro. I want everyone to understand that you need to watch Ryan Doro. I know that a lot of the names at Down East, for as far as infielders go, are Anderson Tejada. Um, that's a name. You've got Does Doespel. Arias. Doespel Arias, who is a very well-regards – I don't know how to say that first name. I haven't met him yet, but he is he is doing very well and hitting well. But the guy that's really putting some numbers there and someone that I met, I'll talk about it in this interview and how I how I've, how Ryan Doro even got on my radar. But I, I, I got a chance to talk to Ryan. Um, very excited for him. He's engaged. He's about to get married here in October. But this may be the guy – He's already got eight home runs this year. He's hitting right around 300. I think it's about 285 today. Um, it goes up and down. But he, he, he hovers from 280 to 300, so he's not somebody. Uh, Anderson Tejada is down in 250 range right now uh, and ha- only has a couple of home runs. Uh, Doro has two. Had, he hit a walk-off. Uh, a couple weeks ago he talks about that he hit uh he hit two the other day he hit then he hit one two days later um i didn't see the the line today at where he was but uh had a chance for uh ryan to come on and we and and talk so ryan came on and we had a real nice conversation and let's listen this is uh ryan doro of the Down East wood ducks Hey, everyone, it's the Recliner Nerd here with Rangers Nations Podcast. We're going down in the bus leagues. And on the phone with me right now, I've got Ryan Doro of the Downeast Wood Ducks. Ryan, how are you doing, sir?
1: Good, John. Good. Thanks for uh, having me on.
2: So, Ryan, I've got an interesting way of how you came on my radar. And we're going to talk about that later. But I wanted to get into some stuff and talk about Ryan Doro. So, first of all, you're from South Haven, Michigan. How big is South Haven, Michigan? Where is it? Uh,
1: not, not very big. It's a real small town. Um, it's on the Southwest, uh, corner of Michigan, uh, right on Lake Michigan. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a it's a very small town, but during the summer it gets pretty packed due to the beaches and all that stuff.
2: Is that, I used to go, uh, up to Michigan on business. Is it near, how close are you to Detroit or maybe Flint or
1: uh, basically the totally, uh, opposite side from, from Detroit. Um, Detroit's more East. I'm like as far West as you can go, um, in this, in the state. So I'm more, um, over by Kalamazoo.
2: Okay. Okay. Never went over that way. So, okay. So no. anyway, okay. Now, did you play any other sports when you were in high school?
1: I did. I was a, uh, soccer player and a basketball player, um, all four years in high school. So I did. A little bit of everything, um, but with that said, you know baseball was always my main focus, and I made sure to to do what I had to do to make sure that I was uh, successful for baseball.
2: Were you recruited by any Division One schools? I know you went to Adrian College; it was a smaller school. Did you have any big schools looking at you?
1: Yeah, Adrian's a, a D three school um, in the southeast corner of Michigan, so basically right across the state. Um, I committed to Adrian my senior winner um of high school obviously and I had some interest after I after I committed and played uh summer ball and all that stuff but at that point I was just like you know what I made I made my decision to uh to go play at at Adrian and my my dad actually was roommates with the head coach that's there right now so that was uh pretty comfortable for me to go in and know someone right off the bat.
2: So I went on to Adrian's website to look it up I mean you had a a storied career there. Three, three times you were all-American uh, that I saw. Um, but I saw an interesting fact that I really thought was pretty neat. It looks like you grew a few inches while you were there.
1: Yeah, I uh, I came in as a small guy in campus. That's for sure. Um, I was like, shoot, I think I was like five seven, five eight, um, and a buck seventy soaking wet. And I kind of went in there and. And, um, I don't know, I just, I kind of grew into my body a little bit and, um, you know, that's always a good thing to get stronger, um, at that age and, and, uh, the strength conditioning program there is, is, is a great program and that coach really helped me out.
2: Yeah. I mean, cause I saw you, saw you play last year and yeah, you're, you're listed at six foot and you're all of that as a guy that's five, eight. So I know, Uh, that you that you are so I thought wow maybe that's a misprint but at one time it said you were 5'8 and then the next year it said you were six foot so that is true so um let me ask you this when was it that you knew you might be able to go to the next level
1: oh oh well I mean that was always always the goal um you know obviously going to a to a small school the the opportunity is is dwindled down quite a bit um especially at the division three level um but like I said, I just I wanted to go somewhere where I was comfortable and and, you know, going in and having success um, as a freshman and getting the chance to play under Coach Rainey at Adrian um, and it helped help my confidence a lot. But I mean, I, I really didn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel until probably my junior summer. And I played in the Northwoods League um, for that summer. And uh and played a hectic schedule over there. So uh, I'll, I'll probably say my junior summer is when, when uh, I started believing that it could happen.
2: Now, now you were drafted in the 30th round. How did you find out you were drafted?
1: Yeah, I was uh, at my house and I was watching probably every single pick um, throughout the whole, the whole process there. And um the one time I got up, I was, I was just getting up to get Gatorade out of the fridge, and then my dad was outside burning leaves in the fire pit, and he started yelling. I thought he fell in the fire or something. Something bad happened out there, and he came in, and he showed me his phone, and the Rangers had picked me. So that's that's the story of me getting picked up. So
2: did you know the scout personally that the Rangers had that was scouting you? Uh,
1: not, not personally. Um, I mean, we had a, a pretty good relationship. Um, Chris Collius was his name. Um, and I mean, we, we still talk here and there. I think he just called me a couple of days ago just to check in, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked a good amount through the whole process and, and, uh, you know, he liked me and I liked him and we kind of have grown into a, you know, a friendship that, that is very nice to have, especially someone who's, who does it for a living. Um, so yeah, I mean, personally, no, but I think we, we've grown to, to have a pretty good relationship
2: did were there any other teams that were talking to you before the draft
1: yeah here and there um I think I had like three or four teams that I filled out paperwork for and all that jazz but um you know a couple of the teams came out and just saw me play and had conversations with them after the game and I mean that, that's basically the extent of it um you know coming from a, a d3 school you know you're a you're a diamond in the rough if you get the opportunity to play. And, and if they come and see you play, that's a that's an opportunity in itself.
2: Okay, so I've I talked to a, a lot of different guys around the, the press and everything around there. Um, first of all, you know what, I'll go ahead and say it now. I was going to do it later, but I'm going to say how how Ryan Doro got on my radar. Um, I don't know if you heard me talking to Sam earlier, uh, but I actually the, – the wife and I took a trip last year and we kind of went and saw some affiliates play throughout the Ranger minor league system saw round rock playing in nashville because they were round rock last year right but made our way made our way up uh into west virginia to to goof around and ended up at, at uh, west virginia power watching hickory play um so at the game i honestly was there to see people like sam huff bubba thompson they were names i knew uh being a, a fan and a kind of a minor league guru but i just remember watching the game thinking and and getting my program and going, who the hell is Ryan Doro? I mean, because <laughs> you really stuck out that game to me. Um, now, I don't know if you remember this. We actually had a little bit where we kind of interacted. There was some play in the game, and I, I think you had tagged the guy trying to make a double play, and you and the umpire got into it. Uh, and We were sitting right by the dugout. When you came in, you were going on deck, and I said, hey, Ryan, did you get him? And you looked at me and went, yeah, I got him. And kind of that way, and I don't. You probably don't remember that, but we were the only Texas Ranger fans in West Virginia at the time. So something,
1: something rings a bell there. Um, I, I don't remember fully, but I do remember some, a couple of Rangers fans that that were outliers in the stands.
2: Yeah. So let me ask you this. So the reason I say that is because when. So I started following you've had some great numbers. And so I talked to some of the, the minor league gurus and that around DFW that are, they're big on you. And I asked about Ryan Doro and there was just, it was kind of the same all around. This guy's a grinder. He's a, you know, and one of them, one of the best ones I heard was from, uh, from a guy named, uh, Michael Durkins. I don't know if you know, tepid participation. He's one of the big guy that does a lot of, uh, he works with a lot of scouts and he said he looked at me we we're at a frisco game and i said tell me about doro i said i, I like this guy I said, what, what about him and he said you know what one thing you know about doro every pitcher on the mound is very happy when doro's behind the plate or back behind him is what he said he goes because man that guy's grades out at maybe a 70 or 80 on defense now you've played a lot of different positions you played when i was there you played second base you're playing a lot of third base right now for Down East. I know you came in as a shortstop. What's your favorite position?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think being a primary shortstop when I was at school, um, it took me a little bit to to get you know used to the different positions. I mean, second base is, is pretty similar to short, um, you know, obviously besides the throw and um, cuts and all that stuff. But third, you got to read angles off the bat, and they're a lot different from from shortstop. So. At the beginning, I think that was the biggest thing for me is just get used to how the ball is coming off the bat at different angles and between lefties and righties and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I was able to play a lot of second and short last year, and this year I'm playing a lot of third and got a couple games at short. So now I'm, I'm still moving all around the around the infield, which, which I think is
2: good for me. Me too. I think that that's your path. I think you've got a very strong – look, you – To me, I've said this. I know you've got Tejeda on the team, and I know you've got Diospo Arias on the team. I told some guys there, I said, let me tell you what. The guy that may get to Frisco sooner, this was my opinion. Now, who am I? I don't know. But I said, I think Doro might be the one that's here quicker. So that's what I'm – when you get to Frisco, there's no doubt that we'll run into each other again and we'll get to meet face-to-face. But uh, So any of those you like best? Is it shortstop you think you like best?
1: Uh, I mean, shortstop's definitely going to hold a special place in my heart uh, for for as long as I play. But I mean, I've, I've honestly uh, really fell in love with third base. It's, uh, you know, balls are coming at you faster and you, you got less time to think and and uh, you know, I, I just really fell in love with some of the plays that you can make over there at third to, to help out your pitcher.
2: Well, we've heard some great plays you've made over there. So let me ask you this: What's the main thing you'd like to improve about your game? Um,
1: you know, I I think you know all around I have to improve on on any on anything. I mean, different plays. Um, you know, throwing at from different arm angles over at third compared to at short and second. Um. You know, and just being consistent with the bat. I mean, everyone can get better at at each thing. Whether you're whether you uh, are a defensive prospect or a offensive prospect or whatever it may be, I think everyone's got a got a uh, a niche that they can get better at. So, personally, I just think I you know need to continue to stay consistent and keep keep my focus level where it's at.
2: Well, and and maybe your your highest grade may be your defense, but it's not like you you're just sitting here hitting around the Mendoza line. You've had you put up good numbers. 12 home runs last year. You've already got 8 this year. I saw the other night you hit two. Um I know you hit one last night. So uh that leads into the home, the home run question. I asked him a while ago, "Do you remember what age you were when you hit your first home run ever over a fence?"
1: Nah. I'd, honestly, no. I mean, I was probably Probably around you know Little League All Stars when I was 10, 11 years old. Um, you know, I got in travel ball, <clears throat> traveling all around the United States um, when I was probably eleven and twelve too. So, probably probably around the ten age mark.
2: Okay, so with that, just talking about from that all the way up till last night, um, you've hit you've hit a few home runs over your. I can only I only hit one my whole playing career, so I obviously remember it vividly. But is there one? <laughs> <laughs> is is there one home run whether it's pro ball college high school one home run you remember that the moment you barreled it you went oh my gosh i got all of that one
1: yeah I mean, most memorable one probably happened a couple weeks ago at the walk-off um here in down east oh yeah um i mean that's one that i'll probably remember forever um you know i've i've hit some hit some big ones in my career but that one definitely stands out and but by no means did I, you know, hit it 780 feet. But, but uh, that, that was probably one of the most memorable ones I've hit.
2: Did you know it was gone the moment you hit it?
1: Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a chance. I had a thought in my mind that that it had a chance, but I was more worried about, you know, getting on base to to continue the inning and see if we could, if someone else could, because I I honestly didn't know it was gonna get out. I thought I had a chance, but I didn't know that it was it was gonna get out. So it was a
2: pleasant surprise. Do you do you know which one's the furthest you've ever hit
1: nah, I honestly' no, I'm no idea probably one in pro ball when I was 170 pounds soaking wet those probably didn't go very far but uh, <laughs> definitely definitely one in pro ball would be my guess
2: I like that I like that you're more focused just on doing it not thinking about the personal ones for us though for the fans <laughs> and for that we like to we like to hear these stories it's always funny, right right. right. So uh, speaking of West Virginia, do you remember the the toast man at West Virginia?
1: I sure do. I sure do. He was a, uh, you know, the the good thing about minor league baseball and, you know, I I think it's leaking into the the big league side um, is you, you get a lot of those people that come to the games and are loyal fans of, of the teams. And I mean, going in as a, as a visiting club, you just got to go in and enjoy it. You know, it's, it's more of an entertainment factor than then, than, you know, getting on your back about playing or what you do in the game. So, I mean, it's it's all in good fun. And
2: and I completely agreed with it. I, in fact, I was uh, – we him and I had a good little talk after the game. I, I gave him a little crap because when you guys started getting out, so I started asking for my toast to throw around. He didn't like it that I was doing that, but, uh, Hey, I, you know what, that guy does some homework and that was a lot of fun. So I, I, I know most of y'all remember the toast, man. I had to ask about it cause it was something unique that I had never seen before. So let me ask you this. So seven Oh five start on a normal game day. What, what is your daily routine? What time are you up? What are you eating? What are you doing before you get to the ballpark at the ballpark, that kind of thing?
1: Um, uh, am probably get up around eight 30 and, uh, me and my fiance normally, Either go out to breakfast or we have breakfast at the apartment. Um, and then, you know, head to the field, um, probably get here around 1 o'clock, um, chill out for a little bit, and get changed, and uh, get ready for for BP. Um, after that, go in and do defensive work, come in, shower up, clean up before the game, and, and 7 o'clock rolls around, gets here fast, and we're ready to go.
2: Any uh,
1: any superstitions or anything like that you have? In, you know, last year I started organizing my stuff in the dugout. I get out to the dugout pretty early. Um, seven seven o five start, I probably get out there around uh, 615, 620, and um, have one cup of Gatorade, lay my Gatorade towel down, and put my hat, glasses, sunflower seeds, and two pieces of gum on my towel in an organized fashion just so I don't I don't know what it is, but it makes me feel good before I go out to the game.
2: You need to meet my wife. She's that way. She's kind of got that little <laughs> bit of OCD there. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it is. It's just something that that I I did one day and it just kind of stuck.
2: Well, you know, with what you said there, I've got to ask the question: When's the wedding?
1: Uh, wedding is October fifth, so it's coming up fast. We're almost done with all the planning stuff, and got a couple more things to do. Um, And then that should be ready to rock too. So I'm excited for that as well.
2: Well, as someone who's been married for 17 years, uh, let me just say, just show up and say the right name. (laughs) 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 So uh, what do you do in your spare time? What do you like to do? Do you hunt and fish or other things?
1: Uh, Definitely hunting and fishing. Um, We get to go out here in uh, Kinston, Greenville area and go fishing and and, uh, hit up a couple of ponds. We've been doing that quite a bit on... Off days and late starts and all that stuff, but um, you know, back home, I basically do the same thing too: fishing, hunting, uh, more hunting back then or back there. Since the um, season ramps up, right when I get back, so um, yeah, just a bunch of outdoor stuff.
2: So let me ask you, ask you this: on uh, what is your favorite food, whether homemade or restaurant, or does your fiance cook it, or what's the favorite meal you love?
1: I'm um, gonna tell you what my fiance can cook: some mean enchiladas. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but every time we have enchiladas when I get home, I'm I'm stoked.
2: Now, did you meet your fiance? Did you go to college with her, or is she somebody you met while playing, or what?
1: Yeah, she was actually the uh, shortstop at Adrian College. Um, she graduated a year before I did, um, and now. She works for Continental Tire as a sales coordinator for the North Carolina, South Carolina uh, territory. So she actually lives in Raleigh. So we're real close to each other this year.
2: Oh, wow. That's good. So I'm, I'm assuming shortstop on the softball team. Is that what you
1: mean? Yep. Yep. She was a shortstop. And uh, that's I mean, we hung out with each other and got to know each other a little bit. And here we are
2: with a congratulations by the way and and honestly i'm very happy for you guys um that's great you met an athlete you guys will have some good little athletes running around one day when you have kids
1: that's the plan i hope so
2: (laughs) well let me ask you this let me let me ask what is something that nobody knows about ryan doro and let me give you an example uh brock burke i asked him this question and he had the funniest answer uh he said nobody knows that i sleepwalk and right now he's a Roommates with on the road with uh, Joe Palombo he said he had to let him know before they took off on their first road trip because he, he gets up and moves around, apparently, and talks in his sleep. So what's something that nobody knows about Ryan Doro? Man, I'm I'm
1: a, I'm a pretty everyone really knows something about me. Um, but one one thing like family wise that not a lot of people know is is just I have an adopted sister Um She's 17 and going through the college process right now to uh, go play college volleyball. Um, looks like it may be at Adrian too. So um she's gotcha. yep, maybe gonna go there. She's gonna go visit a couple schools. But um yeah, not many people know I have an adopted sister and and uh she overtowers all of all of our family, that's for sure. She's about six one.
2: Wow. That's a, that's, a, you know, and a, your fiance is probably someone I could ask. She could probably tell me something nobody knows about you, also. She, 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 yeah, she probably knows something I'm not thinking about. <laughs> well, listen, Ryan, it's been a pleasure you having you on the Rangers Nation podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do that. If you'll stay around after we're done, there is something I want to get from you real quick. That's Ryan Doro of the East Wood Ducks, hopefully soon to be Frisco Rough Riders. Uh, thanks, Ryan, for coming on.
1: No, thank you, John. I appreciate you.
2: So that was Ryan Doro of the Down East Wood Ducks. Again, that's a name that I, I, I've been trying to tell you guys to keep an eye on. But after that, with, with uh, everything that's going on down in the bus leagues, let's go over the standings right now, where the teams are and what they're doing. We'll start out in Low A, and that's Hickory. Uh, Hickory is 32 and 17 at the moment. They are six and four over their last 10 games. Uh, go up to Down East. Down East's got the best record of any of the minor league affiliates affiliated with the Texas Rangers. Down East is still in first place. They're 34 and 17. They are five and five over their last 10 games. Frisco still in first place, also 23, 27, and 23 in the in the uh, Texas League. 4 and 6 over their last 10 and actually uh, Nashville's been playing a lot better. Nashville's 7 and 3 over their last 10 and right now they're still in last place in the Pacific Coast League at 20 and 29. Um so that was uh, Ryan Doro. That's the that's down in the bus leagues uh, and everything going on in the minor leagues right there. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Looks like we're coming on about 45 minutes, uh, and I usually don't like to get more than an hour there. I want to appreciate everybody, appreciate Ryan Doro for coming on and visiting with us uh, Isaiah counter Falafa for taking time to talk to us real quick after the game the other night for all of y'all that are listening, be sure and give us a thumbs up or give us a comment and let us know what you think. Uh, again, every thank everybody again for listening. And like I say, at the end of every episode and everything I, Oh, by the way, coming up, going to be doing the, uh, major league draft preview this week. We'll be putting out a, a MLB draft preview coming up this week. Uh, with uh, who the Rangers are going to take at their eighth pick. There's about five or six names that are on there. We'll probably preview some of that and who we think they are. But let's go back. Until everybody, thanks a lot for coming out on this one and listening. Uh, A a big thanks once again to Ryan Doro, Sam Huff, who who talked to me. We'll get that on here next week. Um, And Matt Present for setting it up over at Down East. For all of you that have been a part of this one, we'll catch you next time. And like I say at the end of every episode and every article I write, Nerd Out!